And then Bolt just started developing. So his first year, if I remember right, he didn't place his first year, but he kept getting a little better. He kept getting a little better. He kept getting a little better. And as he kept getting a little better, he became really better. Okay. Uh, if I look back, he's a tremendous athlete. Tremendous. There's no, he doesn't have a bottom. He's just got tremendous endurance. And he was a genetic bird finder. Now, he was in the right environment to foster those, that bird finding and bird manners. You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by B-Pro Kennels, Onyx Hunt, Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, and Final Rise. This is part three of the George Hickok series. Guys, B-Pro Kennels is making the best dog box on the market today. It is fully customizable. Um, it is just built well and it's built here in the usa uh give ben proctor a holler over at b pro kennels uh and design your custom dog box today or grab one of their um staple three hole or two hole boxes today bprokennels.com use promo code rookie 10 saves 10 percent off your order at bprokennels.com aren't using onyx hunt already i highly encourage you check out onyxhunt.com today i have been personally using onyx for about five years and it has helped expand and grow and open up hundreds and thousands of acres of publicly accessible land that i know exactly where i stand exactly where i can hunt where i cannot hunt and it gives you so much incredible information um, to make your hunt more successful Um, check out onxhunt.com use promo code rookie20 save you 20% off your subscription at onxhunt.com sure to check out Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, the only sporting dog, high-performance dog food I'm feeding my string of dogs. have been using this for several years, and Anook Shook has delivered and lived up to and surpassed all the hype you've been hearing about online, through friends, kennels, breeders, all that, and it has just been a high-quality, premium food. Uh, I've been able to cut back several cups of food for my dogs, still keeping weight on them during season during trialing whatever it might be these dogs are in the best shape they've been in personally in a long long time and thanks to anook shook professional dog food they have four incredible formulas check them out at anookshookpro.com rise is making the most premium high quality upland gear you will find on the market guys i've been using the summit vest and now the sidekick vest for several years Um, it is a staple it is a staple for my training routines and trialing season to every single hunt i am on Um, i'm rocking the summit vest Um, they have a whole line of a a new uh, early season lightweight hoodie they have a brand new upland pant brand new summit xt vest guys they are rocking and rolling with some incredible gear check them out at uh final rise.com also guys we have the giveaway with final rise um live so go to patreon get signed up for uh the giveaway of a brand new summit xt vest and a pair of the field gloves from final rise so get signed up on patreon today 
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to part three of our George Hickok series, the third and final uh, episode in this little mini series. Again, I did not want to um, just throw a three and a half hour episode out there. So I um, hope you've enjoyed this, uh, breaking it up over the week um, and releasing a little bit smaller chunks of this conversation. Um, so I hope you've been enjoying this so far. Um, I would love to hear maybe um, maybe some of your thoughts. Um, you know, what have you learned? What have you taken away from from this, um, you know, uh, I'm a big proponent of, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat or to train a dog. And I love getting to interview and talk with different trainers, pros, not pros, um, different styles, different methods, because I think we can all learn something. I think we can all learn something from different um, trainers because they're going to have different experiences. And so I've loved this opportunity to um, sit down with George, pick his brain, and really uh, really unpack more uh, more training and understanding uh, bird dogs and their development. So um, a couple things before we jump in here. Before I turn us loose into the rest of this conversation, um, I'll mention it one more time. We got the final rise giveaway happening over at patreon.com. Uh, search the Upland Rookie podcast over at Patreon. Um, an incredible giveaway with final rise. Thank you to Matt Davis for letting us do this giveaway. Uh, we're giving away one of the brand new final rise summit XT uh, XT stands for extreme. Uh, it's a vest that has, has taken the summit vest and just made some uh, improvements um, on that vest that I think are going to be killer. Uh, and so one lucky winner is going to walk away with the vest as well as a pair of the field gloves from final rise. Again, one of my favorite purchases I made last year was picking up those gloves. Um, you cannot say enough good things. Fit, feel, function, durability, all that good stuff. Um, so big thanks to Final Rise. Also, um, I just want to kind of a shout out to Onyx Hunt. Um, Onyx has become uh, one of the newer sponsors of the podcast. And just big thanks to them. It's a product I use and have been using for several years, probably about four or five years, actually. Um, they are they're kind of owning the space in digital mapping system. And if you're an upland hunter, turkey hunter, uh, big game hunter, um, you need to check out Onyx Hunt. If you're using it already, I'm preaching to the choir right now because you probably know <laughs> that uh, the functions that Onyx has and the, the development that they keep pushing their product um, just keeps getting better. So uh, if you're not with Onyx yet, definitely check them out. Um, you know, especially with turkey season right now around the corner. Um, I'm looking at some public land here in Colorado, looking at uh, the 3D uh, the 3D layer that they released uh, maybe last year or, or a little while back. Um, that 3D layer up in the mountains here has been really nice to really really get a good picture and a good idea of the terrain. So um, onxhunt.com, big thanks to them for supporting the show. Hey, without further ado, we're going to jump into part three of the conversation with George Hickox. And I think that's something you've you've talked about in the past a little bit. Can you just unpack what, what you mean by that? As far as development to the finished picture, you mean? Or... or well, you've, you've kind of mentioned like the... Uh, the the different benchmarks of development for, for a dog. And you've kind of referenced that a couple times. Okay. All right. Is sort that, of like a chronological. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah. here's a little puppy. Okay. So these pups being born here, you know, we're going to go through holding them upside down and doing all kinds of little things in a three to 16 week period. The super dog program. Many of your listeners can get onto the super dog program. I think it's a great program to mm-hmm. understand. 
And some of you said, what do you mean hold a puppy upside down? That's cruel. It's a dog. How do they learn? Okay. You know, let's don't, I mean, let's do it. There's all kinds of studies done, whether it's Cornell or Auburn or whoever, sure. you know, people know what they're doing. So we're going to do those things. Okay. Sometimes somewhere around six weeks of age, you could do a little early, you do a little bit later. It's not critical. We're going to start clicker training. Okay. We'll use a kennel. We're also going to use some boards. Okay. <coughs> One of the things we will do later is we've got traffic cones, so we've taught them to touch it. Okay, that's not really that pertinent for the pointing dogs. It's just one more thing we've taught them. Okay, they so he'll go in the kennel, he runs to a board, steps on a coaster, touches the target. Then we're going to do a routine. When we built this, you got clicked and treated when you touched the traffic cone, okay. right? And you got clicked and treated when you went on the board. And then you got clicked and treated when you went in the kennel, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to teach him to do a routine. You go touch the cone, run in the kennel, come out, step on the board, okay? When you complete that, you get clicked and treated. Mm. We've really opened the dog's mind to learning now sure. and doing this, okay? You know, so we'll do that. So we're going to start with that clicker stuff around six weeks of age. Okay. They will have been absolutely handled, not all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Don't have to be. Studies say, you know, that a couple times a week for 20 minutes is all a dog needs to be socialized. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can't dispute it. I'm not the MIT <laughs> and okay. Um, but you don't have to live with them, sleep in bed with them, take them to the office every day, right? The, so socialized with other dogs, not big dogs are going to hurt them. They're going to have a, you know, the puppy thing. Sure. Right? The, we're not going to talk to them. Okay, and say, here, 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 mm -hmm. where they learned they didn't have to come here. Yeah. We're not going to, ba 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 <laughs> We're not doing it. Okay, all right? We don't want to teach them to tune us out. Yeah. We want to teach them to tune us in. Mm. Okay? And I'm going to have a much better way of getting them to tune us in with a clicker <laughs> than by me, sure. you know, talking to them, right? Okay? So we'll start our clicker, and that's going to be board and kennel and all that. Okay, they're going to go for puppy wash, so they will have got out in the grass, okay? So they've been born in the house, and then, you know, there's outside area there. Not even at the kennel, okay, the excess yard. So they got to get their feet in the grass. Whoa, grass, that feels different. <laughs> all right, we want to give them all the exposures yeah. that we can give them. So during the imprinting stage, which basically lasts about 20 weeks, and once again, okay. I would you know, encourage your listeners to go to a puppy development program, okay, that and learn those different stages, fear factor stage, mm -hmm. da, da, da. Okay. They, during this imprinting stage, all the tools that we're going to use for further training, we're going to probably have introduced a dog to it during the first five months of his life. Okay. Okay. That doesn't mean he woes. That doesn't mean he comes when I call him. Okay. But he would have had clicker. He would have had birds. Mm. He would be chasing birds. He would have heard the gun. He would hear the four-wheeler. Mm. He would so heard all, all those things watcher. he's going to see in his lifetime. You're all those just getting some kind of him. positive, right, exposure. Right. You want him to expose him to it so that he doesn't, so later he goes, gosh, I'm a sheltered kid. And, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so, you know, we want that. We're going to, you know, start releasing birds for him probably around eight weeks of age. I'm not going to tell you, listener, that's critical, but I sure like to do it by about 12 weeks of age, mm. but I certainly want it done before 20 weeks. Okay. okay? But when you say releasing we're birds, not, is that you're letting him... What we'll do with the pointing dogs, yep. okay, is we got a big Johnny house. I mean, a big one, yeah, yeah. not a little pen, okay? All right. So we'll go up there. 
and you will have more than one pup in our case. So that gives them confidence they're a street gang. Sure. You know, one of them doesn't hurt you, but man, we're real tough. We got a bunch of us, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So he goes up there, okay, and it's going on, and we'll hold him by the collars, and we're just going to let some quail go out of that pen. Okay. And he's going to see him, and we just let him go. Yeah. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. One's tentative, one doesn't want to chase it, whatever. They saw him, though. So the quail didn't catch him by surprise. They didn't get startled by that thundering grouse on a puppy walk and wonder why we got a flush problem later. Sure. Okay. You know, so they would see him, then go up. Now, he knows where that quail house is because that's where he went each day for two or three times. Yeah, yeah. And he likes those quail <laughs> and he likes chasing them. And that, that Johnny house is probably 200 yards maybe from the kennel. Okay. Okay. And there's a cut path to it. Yeah. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to release birds and I'm going to release, you know, probably 20 birds. Yeah. So he can't help but run into some mm. and I'm going to let them go. And when I let them go from that kennel, they're going to be up there before I can get back in a four wheel <laughs> because they're going to one place because that's the bar that gave you the shrimp cocktails sure. and free drinks. That's where they're going. It, yeah. All right. So now they run around, they find birds there. They're going to start flash pointing. They're going to start chasing them. They've been introduced to birds. Mm. Okay. Hopefully I'm going to start seeing some point. Um, and that will, for your, your listener, depend on breeds. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying pointers the best of the world. I'm not saying that, yeah. but they're going to develop more precocious, short hairs tend to also develop very, very quickly. Okay. Um, so the fact that their puppy didn't point when it's 10 weeks of age is not the end of the don't, world. Yeah. Don't, don't, so don't, don't be alarmed. Don't commit, <laughs> yeah. Don't go commit suicide. You know, <laughs> the, uh, so you know, we're going to start saying, you'll probably start seeing these little puppies start backing each other yeah. and taking them out. So now when they've done that, they're off that Johnny house. Okay. There's no more go up and more birds, more birds, okay. more birds. Okay. We'll wait until we get to the Dakotas and wild birds. We're running them yeah. where they learn to really go hunt. Okay. Um, you know, and get out there, but they've been imprinted. That was the objective yeah. to imprint them. Okay. okay. And that's a key word, imprinting them. Yep. They're never going to forget. Okay. So now they've been introduced to birds. Meanwhile, yard training continued. I got to get to avoidance training, right? Sure. I want to get to the point that I can call them and they come, yeah. right? But I'm not going to overdo that. And once I've taught them to turn stimulation off by coming, we'll more likely be taking them out and running them. Our plantation going to be burned this time of year to burn the cover. Okay. okay. So you have to burn every year. So that means you don't have the high cover. So I'll take them, and now they've got that, and I can start tapping them to turn left or right. Uh, I mean, okay. at a distance. I mean, I'm talking yeah. 300 yards, okay? All right. So we're starting to get the e-collar in place for that. Yeah. Okay, we've got our, you know, well, we haven't taught them whoa. We haven't taught them to hold point. We haven't done any check cord drills where we planted a pigeon. Sure. Okay. If I had a flushing dog or, or retriever, I'm still going to do the bird walks. I'm still going to do the clicker. Yeah. Everything's still the same. Okay. The only difference is I can keep running those dogs on birds a little bit longer. Hmm. Because what we want with our pointing dog is for him to hold point. Now, chasing birds is fun. Yeah. And if he catches some birds, why point them? Hmm. Okay. So I don't want him catching pen raised birds. Sure. And I don't want to encourage that chase so much that later it leads to him not holding points. So, so we're getting into kind of the, the bird stuff here. And one of the things you brought up, you know, you're letting them see those, those, um, you know, Johnny house quail early. And it sounds like right. are you're, cause you hear people say all the time, Oh, I need my, my puppy. I'm more birds, more birds, more birds. 
you kind of let that develop a little later. It sounds like, right? Like you let them get some early exposure on on birds. I imprinted imprinted them. I imprinted right. I imprinted, and then you're not too yeah. concerned, right? Like getting them on birds every single week. Yes or no? We talk. Let's let's specifically talk pointing dogs. Yeah. If they're creeping, I got a problem to fix later. Sure. By creeping, I mean they're catwalking in on it, right? Okay, they smell it and take a few steps. I got a problem. I got to fix it. Right? So that's going to be more work and more pressure on that dog yeah. later. All right? So and, and are you saying more birds early on birds can and start chasing lead them. to creeping? Okay. If you tell him to come here, he's not going to come here, is he? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. So okay. I'll repeat my question. So are you saying um, more, more bird exposure at a young age can lead to creeping generally? Absolutely. Okay. It can lead to chasing. It can lead to all things. So we want more birds. I'm not saying we got it. We don't want to have enough birds to make him bird crazy and know how to hunt and quest and so forth, right? But a diet of too many birds is a bad deal, right? So one of the things that we want somewhere along the line is for the dog not to chase, but we want him not to chase, not because we put pressure on him. Mm. We want there to be some other reason he didn't chase, and we'll get there. Okay. Okay. The so well, let's take this six, seven month old dog. He's already had birds. Yeah. He already points. What is twenty more what is twenty more birds gonna do for him? <laughs> how how is it gonna make him better? Because you're, you're not you're not you're not um in the breaking process. You're not that's right. right. It, so can, you're right. kinda saying it can only lead to potentially more negative things, really. Bad things. Yeah. Bad things. Okay. And we are not going to be the proponent, and I've made a note of that in one of your questions you asked later, but I'll jump to it now. The, uh, the Hickox method is not the youngest dog ever trained is a badge of honor. Mm. Okay. I need consistent repetitions. Yeah. The more, the dogs who went at the national level, they're not two. Now a two-year-old dog can run just as fast as a seven-year-old dog. Sure. He can smell just as well. He could look just as stylish. Because you're not getting a bigger trophy no, for having a younger, younger no, dog, right? No, you're not. Well, you're probably not going to get the trophy <laughs> the, in, the, in the top level. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So two-year-old dogs don't win the national. There's a reason. The reason is they can't possibly have had the same well-rounded consistency of repetitions. Mm. So now, remember that variable enforcement we talked yeah. about? Okay. Somebody goes out and the dog doesn't hold point. He does creep. Birds get up, he chased it, he's at a trial. Yeah. You can't correct him. Yeah. They're on a hunt. They want to shoot the bird. They didn't stop to correct him. They didn't make it a training session. Right. So now the dog broke and he got that down pheasant, grouse, woodcock, whatever it was in his mouth, man. He just got paid a million dollars for breaking. Yeah. So how much pressure would we have to put on that dog later to undo yeah. what could have been what could have been avoided? Absolutely. So, so, so the moral moral of this kind of little I don't know what we call a segment here is more birds isn't always better, right? That's right. Okay. Okay. More birds. You got to have some birds. Yeah. You, you got to have some birds. Okay. But it, but it's not. So you can make, somebody can make themselves a bird junkie and make the dog really um, aggressive on birds and really want to hunt and tear the cover up. And there should be a law against him running in August because he'll catch the grass on fire yeah. and all that type <laughs> of stuff. Right. But we still got to have some manners in here. Yeah. And the more we do that creates us having to put more pressure on that dog, not because I'm a goody-goody two-shoes, right. because more pressure doesn't lead to more style. Mm. A- a- opposite, <laughs> right? 
Really? Opp- opposite. opposite, right. Yeah. So what we're looking for a dog, we're looking for a dog that gives us compliance with style. Isn't yeah. that our objective? Yeah. Compliance with style. Well, let's don't do the things that don't give us compliance here, 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 here <laughs> with no consequences. Let's don't do the things that create lack of style, correcting when he didn't know why, no solution to avoid yeah. it, et cetera. Those are all things that'll handicap us. So if we just, you know, we boil it down to a few things, it's not like we have to have a list of a hundred things. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just don't not, overcomplicate okay? it. I mean, don't overcomplicate that's it. That's right. He's a dog. He learns by association. Start with good genetics. Okay. Introduce him to birds during the, you know, the, uh, you know, the imprinting stage. Yeah. Okay. Don't do your gun if he's not aggressively chasing. Mm. Okay. So if he's not aggressively chasing, he's not birdie enough, is he? Mm. So, well, I got to get the gun in there. Well, if you got a bird problem, why are you worried about the gun? <laughs> got to focus on the bird drive first, right? Yeah, Before, sure, yeah, 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 because that's the thing. When it's adrenaline sky high, he's probably not going to hear that gun. Yeah. But if he's apprehensive or it's new, you know, he sure could. And, you know, that can be things that are very positive or very negative or very quickly imprinted. Yeah. What that means, things that are very negative are very positive or quickly imprinted. Therefore, one repetition of something perceived by the dog hmm. as very negative could be imprinted. Hmm. Wow, that's Jeez. pretty strong. Okay. Absolutely. So there's two things I'm going to be really paranoid about. One's going to be the gun and one's going to be birds. Okay. Because if I got a problem with the gun or I got a problem with birds, I don't have a gun dog. Hmm. <laughs> I don't have a trial dog, I don't have a hunting that's a huge, dog. That's I don't a have huge a problem right there. Right. So I'm not going to be in a rush to say, oh, let's see how he does. If he's not chasing birds aggressively, we're not doing the gun. Yeah. And and more and, and talking talking about bird drive and, and chasing the birds aggressively, is that something? Let's say you have a, have a puppy that's maybe a little apprehensive, like he'll chase a little bit, but maybe seems I don't know not as aggressive. Is that something mm-hmm. that can develop just with more reps? Yep. Okay. Okay. The uh, you know maybe another couple of approaches. You know, don't know the dog. Okay. You know, don't know genetic background or anything. Okay. I will tell you that early discipline does not has a, a bigger probability of leading to apprehension. Mm. Because if somebody says, oh, here's a badge of honor, man, I'm going to make my dog sit, come, and everything else, and he's four months of age, then he got corrected where the Hickox method, okay, we're not putting correction on him there. Yeah. We're getting a stronger foundation. We're getting the behavior to be reliable. Right. Okay. You know, later we got to generalize and proof him. Generalization means taking a number of different places. Yep. So the dog is place-oriented. He knows when he's in yard training. He knows when he's in the room where he was doing clicker. Mm. He knows this. Sure. Okay. So when he was in the field during that same upbringing, he was able to chase birds and run and have a hee-haw. Mm. So he never had to be in control there, right? Mm. So even though you've done your yard work, when you take him back to the field and you're going to put your control in there, he's not going to do it the first time. Yeah. So you have to have your avoidance training in place to say, okay, rules are different now. Yeah. But I would encourage during that process to not be in the field and say, here, 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 bud. <laughs> well, he doesn't come here in the backyard. Because <laughs> okay. it's not going to happen in the it's field. It's not going to get you somewhere. Okay. Well, it'll get you somewhere, but maybe not somewhere good. Yeah. Right? So if we just did it in stages, we start out with a genetically talented dog. And I'm not talking about the secretary of the dog world. I'm just talking a dog that's, sure. you know, 
likes birds, is cooperative, and you know, then it doesn't have to be that difficult. Mm. Now, one of the things you'll see people taking their dogs hunting early. Mm. Okay, great. You know, first year, you know, he's a eight month old dog, and I'm going to take him out to North Dakota, yeah. and we're going to shoot all those pheasants over him. We don't do that. Mm. Okay. Because he got out there and he got to chase all those birds and he got birds in his mouth. He did anything but be in control. Yeah. He wasn't running in control. He wasn't holding point. Okay. So I know people want to get there because it's yeah. so much fun. But it's a lot more fun to have a dog that for eons stays reliable, dependable, finds birds and doing it. Absolutely. Right? So I would just caution them. Yeah. More birds is okay. not necessarily okay. better. But early discipline's not better either. Right. Yes. That's that's huge right there. Um, okay. So this, I wanted to get into a little bit more of, of kind of, okay, now we're talking a little bit more of an advanced dog, a little, maybe older, mm-hmm. more advanced. We're moving to that next step of, of really the breaking process. And I think you've, okay. you've kind of touched on it a little bit here and there. I, I want to kind of close the loop on that. Um, can you walk us through then, okay, the dog's had, let's just let's say this is a dog you're working with. You've, t- you've taken him through the clicker training. He knows how, how to learn really. Can you just kind of walk us through like, okay, what's that, that next level then of, of the breaking process sure. and taking okay. a chase out so of a birds, dog? Birds and guns are done. He runs off the four wheel or the horse, whatever. Okay. He's had stimulation. Okay. But he doesn't hold point. Yeah. That's the dog, yeah. right? Okay. And we haven't done anything to make him hold sure. point. Okay. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to now go to um, pigeons. That's going to be our bird of choice. Okay. I'm going to make a lock wing pigeon, cross its wings so it can't flap. Okay. okay. I'm going to sweep it around the ground, and I'm going to plant two of them at exactly the same place. Hmm. The reason I put two or three is I got a longer scent cone. He's going to smell them further away. So, hold on, George. Say that Say that part one more time. You okay. kind of bro- broke up. So, Okay. I use two or three pigeons in the same place because it's going to leave a longer scent cone. He's yep. going to be able to smell them further away. All right. I'm going to bring the dog in on a checkboard perpendicular to the scent cone. Mm-hmm. So let's say the wind is blowing from north to south. I'm going to bring the dog in from east to west or west to east. Okay. okay. When he crosses the scent cone line, he should turn his head. Hmm. If he didn't turn his head, he didn't smell him. Mm. Or he's blinking or he's blinking. <laughs> Okay, but for me to be putting a dog in at this trail, he's not blinking birds. Yeah. Okay, so as soon as he hits it, hopefully he's got some point that we've seen that early in the field. Doesn't hold point, yeah. just point. Okay, I've got an assistant there. The assistant's out in front. The assistant has bag of pigeons. The two or three scent birds that he smelled, they're lock wings. Mm. They're not flushing. Mm. As soon as he pointed, they're throwing a bird. Fido's going to take off chasing that bird. The one that the, the assistant let go of from their bag, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Assistant's out, 15 yards out. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> He's going to throw, he or she's going to throw this bird. I've got the dog on a check cord, you know, 15, 20 foot check cord. The dog's going to take off chasing it. I'm going to run with the dog. Hmm. We're going to run five, eight, 10 yards. I'm not jerking him. I'm not yelling, whoa, I'm yep. not doing anything. I bring him back to where the scent birds are. Okay. They didn't move. He hits that scent again. They throw another bird. Okay. Okay. It's called a restrained chase. What will happen more often than not is the dog comes back, hits those scent birds. They throw a bird, and he continues to stand there. Now, he's not finished. 
but he continues to stand there because the scent birds help hold him. Mm. Okay. If somebody always flushes the bird he's smelling, the pre-cue, let's do the pre-cue. As soon as they kicked, the dog thought the bird was going. The dog starts moving when they kicked. Mm. So we are not flushing our scent birds at this stage of training. Okay. Okay. In real, real quick, I'm, I'm sorry, real quick. Is this kind of the first, again, we're talking about getting a dog, basically breaking a dog from, from chasing. Is this kind of the first step you've done or have you done other work without birds on steadiness? We have done some. Okay. Um, and well, we certainly did on the, on the boards. Okay. So he's had some of this pre stuff. Okay. Right. I had it with the collar in his belly that I could stop him. Okay. Um, because we're in the prairies, we have a environment that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. So we could have a dog if he's learned to turn stimulation off on the belly, that he's got some sharp tails out there and he started chasing, we could tickling and he's going to stop. We're not talking about holding point, just start sure. taking the chase out. But we got so many wild birds. Okay. Okay. Really tough to do in pin raised birds. Okay. The, uh, so, you know, we'll do that. But when we start our point drill saying, you know, we want you to hold point, yeah. we're going to plant the pigeons the way I'm talking about. And people say, oh, I've got your old DVDs. You didn't do that. Get over it. There's a lot of things I do better now. <laughs> you know? The, new, uh, new and improved. <laughs> yeah. If those birds don't flush, yeah. he's more inclined to stay there. Yeah. So he gets rewarded for staying. Okay. What's his reward for staying? He gets to see a bird. He wants to see the bird. Now, the assistant threw that bird. Yep. Maybe we got a launchers over here, too. They threw a bird. He stood there. Then we launched one over there. All right. Whoa. As long as I'm standing. And he's still smelling those two scent birds. He's still. He knows they're there. Yeah. He knows they're there. Okay. Because they helped hold him. So now, because of his foundation of saying, my behavior gets me good, my behavior gets me bad, mm. that's been his foundation. Mm. He says, wow, when I'm standing, I get to see a bird fly. Wow. That behavior makes me see a bird fly. Okay. Okay. So now that should go normally, uh, you know, a dog is standing there watching birds fly. I, I'm, I mean, really quickly now. I mean, we're not talking a month here, two months. Okay. Very quickly because he's not taking those scent birds out. They're helping to hold him and he gets to see another bird. So he always gets to see more than one bird. Always. Hey, hang, hang on one, one second, coming. George. You're just standing. Internet's cutting out a little one. bit. Hold on. I can't hear you right now. I lost you there. You back with me? Yep. I can hear you now. Sorry. Internet's uh, okay. a little slow. So okay. you, you were saying uh, a dog standing there watching birds fly. Yeah. So he always gets more than one. It's never just one bird yeah. that he gets to see. Okay. Oh, if I stand, I get to see another one. If I stand, I get to see another wow. one. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So now, then we have the collar and the belly, and he's doing that now, and a hop, skip, and a jump. I mean, you're dropping your check cord, you're walking out in front, you're throwing a bird, he's standing there, you're firing your gun, he's standing there. I mean, I'm not going to tell you he's broke or put him in a trial. Sure. But you're way ahead of yeah. where the average it, person sat with their dog in a short period of time, right? Absolutely. So now, the next step when he's, you know, say, hey, Will, I'll bet you 10 bucks if I... Walk out there, cut the dog a check cord, bring him in, he smells that bird, he points it, I drop the check cord, I walk out in front, I throw a bird, shoot, throw a bird, shoot. I'll bet you he stands there. Hmm. When he does that, and he's been, you know, collar and deduced in the belly, then we're going to go to the shelter belt, we're going to release some quail. Hmm. And you make a mistake, you're going to get 
tickled on your belly. Mm. Okay. And you're going to stop. And then we want to see him at all times there. We're not going to run him where we can't. See. Sure. Right. Because I don't want a variable enforcement. I don't want to uh, there. Yeah. It comes back into play there. I don't. Because you can get a field trial wise dog or a hunt wise dog. Yeah. Oh, in the hunt, I can do whatever I want to do. Hmm. In the field trial, I can do whatever I want to do. Okay. You know, the, uh, I want the, I want him to think of that woe and stuff, whether he's in church or it's New Year's Eve, the rules <laughs> are the same. You woe. Okay. No difference. Okay. The, uh, so, but we got there without putting all this pressure on the dog. Yeah. We're going to do whatever it takes. Sure. But we shouldn't be sitting in there having to beat up on this dog. And, yeah. you know, I don't even like the phrase break him. Mm. You know, it's your dog broke. Was he trying? <laughs> okay. You know. That's, that's a good they, way to look uh, at it. Well, style is so important today. Sure. I mean, it, it is. I mean, the, you know, it, the purses it, have gotten bigger. And this this whole, so so do you call it the delayed scent bird or what do you call that? With the, the two birds planted and you throw them birds out? I Whatever you just I don't even have don't even, okay. I mean, birds just that, flush. Yeah. That process. When restrained chase. Okay. Yeah. Restrained chase drill is a little different. Restrained chase drill is, let's say you had a dog that's apprehensive, a pointing dog, but you can get him to hold point just for a second. Yeah. Not try to make him do it. Okay. And then you have your assistant throw the bird or you launch a bird. Okay. You drop the check cord all together and you let him go chase it. Yeah. Okay. Because you're building up the aggression. The dog that we're talking about in the pigeon drill that we planted the two sure. pigeons or three pigeons so he can't move. I don't need to build up hmm. his bird drive at that point. Okay. We've already done that. That's there. Prior to. That's already that was not only I mean genetically, hopefully, but we ran him on birds, how we did it. Sure. So he's never been correct on birds. He never got yeah. Sure. So well, he's well, pretty birdy. Where I was going with with that question, I was gonna ask with that, is that something you've been doing for a long time, or is that something newer you've started over the last how many years? And and have you seen that keep more style in a dog? Oh, I I can't believe I was so stupid not to do it twenty years really? ago, ten years ago. I probably started doing it and I stole it from somebody. I mean, okay. I didn't invent it. Okay. But when I saw it, I went, Whoa, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Okay. The uh and so I probably, oh, six years, seven years. Okay. Like so not, okay. not that long. Uh, I would never go back. Okay. I'd never go back. Be- because you've seen the result. Because you've seen the results. Uh, and, and just, seen the results. Yeah. Even in, you know, the, the reality, and I don't mean this in a pompous way, when we do a clinic, the betting odds are most of the dogs have not had the same preparation, same foundation as maybe dogs that came out of here. Yeah. They maybe haven't had the same amount of birds person doesn't have access to those birds. They don't go to North Dakota during the summer. They sure. live in Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay. So you're trying to do something that they can have more fun with their dog for the rest of their life mm. without having a 10,000 acre lease. In North yeah. yeah. All right? Absolutely. Okay. This drill is a no brainer. I mean, they can do it on pigeons, which is most people, a lot of people there are not going to be able to have a Johnny house and keep the quail or, sure. or whatever it is. Right. You know? Okay. Um, so I'm not going to say we'll never change, <clears throat> but I can't imagine we will. Yeah. You know, that's fascinating. And, you know, somebody, somebody asked me, I mean, why didn't you do that before? Cause I didn't think of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you saw it, you, you applied yeah. it and then yeah. now you're like, this yeah. is the way to go. Uh, I mean, it, it's a win-win. That's fascinating. Okay. So, it helped everybody. Yeah. There, okay. We never put our scent bird, the bird the dog is going to point in a launcher at any time oh, in the dog's okay. life. We use a lot of launchers. 
we use them outside the scent cone. Oh, wow. Or we use them in teaching backing. So the bird and the launcher, one, you're never going to get more style because the dog's on top of a bird and a launcher. Mm. He can't smell it further away if it's in a launcher. The closer he is to the bird, if he gets pressure, the more risk you run that he turns sour on the bird. Sure. Okay. So we use a lot of launchers. Okay. But we never put our scent bird in a launcher. Okay. Wow. Ever. Ever. I mean, I think it creates circling, blinking. Soft. Just, sure. I don't like them. So you're, okay. you're typically using uh, the uh, pigeon that can't or it's not going to fly. Gonna, if I can have an assistant or two okay. assistants to throw birds or three. The other thing that's important about that, <clears throat> as a hunter, the person's going to be in front of their dog. Yeah. They're going to flush the bird. They're going to be in front. Think of how many people were standing there. Their dog's on point. They're standing behind him with a check cord jerking him, okay? They never showed the dog the picture of being in front. The only picture the dog had of being in front was when he was a little puppy. They walked out in front and kicked birds up in front of him, and he got to chase mm. So his cue to go was when you walked up in front. Yeah. Now you've been trained, but you never train him to stand there when you walk up in front. Huh. Now you go in to flush the bird, the preserve, the hunt, whatever it is, okay, and the dog breaks. Yeah. And now you correct him. You're correcting for something you never taught him. Mm. I'm okay with corrections, sure. but I'm not okay with correcting him when he doesn't know why. Sure. He's, he's, yeah, you got to okay. know what yeah. yeah what that behavior yeah. okay. is that's going to lead to a right. correction. Right. So um, there's just, there's no downside that I can see yeah. in doing it this way. Yeah. Okay. Um, across the board. Okay. 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 The, uh, then we'll fire the gun at the same time with that. Okay. So the, the handler through the, you know, assistant through the bird. Sure. You know, they're going to fire. The gun's always going to be behind his back. You know, talking about that variable enforcement, judged a trial not too long ago. Doesn't matter what trial, doesn't matter where. Okay, and it was a walking trial. So I'm, you know, I'm on a horseback because I don't have to walk. Sure. Days to <laughs> Perk this. of being a judge. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, and there was a winner, and the dog did a good job. But the majority of the people's dog, unfortunately, did not hold point. They took birds out and chased oh. them. That's variable enforcement. I'm not talking about you just didn't get a ribbon this time yeah. or get a check. Okay. The next time you go to a trial, it's more likely the dog says, Hey, it's going to do it again. Trial. There's judges. There's a guy. I'm going to do it again. Mm. Okay. And then you get a field trial wise dog. Well, you can get a hunting wise dog too. Sure. Because the power of the bird shooting that bird becomes more important than finishing the dog. Mm. You know, so I tell people all the time, bring, bring your buddy and let him shoot on opening day. When you're training the dog, you handle the dog, train Sure. Him. Put, yeah, leave, leave the gun yeah. in the truck and focus on the on the dog. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay. okay. Um, well, well, I think we've kind of talked about this. I was going to ask a listener question, um, kind of wrap up this this training section here. Um, but someone writes in, and again, I think you we've talked about this a little bit with kind of your your bird intro. But someone wrote in, um, how do you get a young dog, a young dog's brain focused on bird finding? And I think you've kind of touched on that a little bit as far as the again, you're imprinting them very young. Right. And you're getting to, getting to evaluate them, right? Yeah. And that's a really good question. I'll add to it because there's a part to it I think that's important. We do not take our puppies, puppies, for recreational walks. Hmm. Okay. They don't get to go to the woods and smell bunny rabbits and deer and chipmunks and squirrels uh, okay. and go have fun. Every time they came out during that imprinting stage, they were going to find a bird. Oh, wow. And we okay. can guarantee that. We can guarantee that. With a Johnny house or carrying pigeons in a bag on a, on a horseback saddle. Yeah. So when they, they're not paying attention to squirrels and chipmunks and rabbits and 
So it was very yeah, intentional. Every walk you're taking them on, it's very intentional. Birds, birds. Wow. That's what they get. In the beginning, for a short period of time during the imprinting stage. So particularly with the continental breeds, <clears throat> you know, short hairs, wire hairs. Yeah. Okay. They're more prone to track hmm. because they're bred for it in the gene pool, right? Yeah. So, you know, the pointer is probably a little less inclined to do that. Setter's a little less inclined to go out and go, you know, smell chipmunk scent and go track sure. it. Sure. Okay. The, uh, I, I think that it it's just behooves people to say, I want to go for walks with my puppy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's got a downside to it. Sure. Because they get out there and they smell the chipmunks and that's fun. And they get their nose distracted down and rooting and- out and rooting out yeah. and doing that okay? like, like so have a purpose with your have a purpose with yeah. that puppy walk yeah and to your listener ask the question which is a good question the depending on how old that dog is you know he's done it doesn't mean you got to get your birds at eight weeks of age it's mm. critical or 10 weeks hadn't done it you know but i see a lot of dogs in clinics that haven't had birds and they're eight months to a year and a half of age sure it's going to take a lot more birds so you better have a bigger budget hmm. because when they first go out, they're going to go, what's this? When that puppy's young, he doesn't have apprehension. Yeah. He doesn't have it. You haven't disciplined him when you shouldn't have. <laughs> you hadn't, you know, okay. So the world is a bowl of cherries, man. It's his world. He owes it. Okay. Owns it. So he comes out there's normally, here's that little quail running in front of him. He's out after it like a dirty shirt. Yeah. You get the dog who's had some corrections. Okay. He's created some, you know, and maybe didn't know why he got corrected. Now you put the bird out there and he goes, well, what's that? Is it going to hurt me? Mm. And you see him very cautiously and generally. That little puppy's, unless he's in a fear factor stage, which normally happens eight to 10 mm-hmm. weeks of age. Okay. Unless he's in the fear factor stage, he's probably not, or it's not probably saying that quail's going to hurt me. Mm. It's going to say, man, I own the world. <laughs> okay. I'm going after it. Sure. Okay. Love that. Love that. All right, um, we're going to kind of move on a little bit. Um, and just a reminder, George, if you could make sure to talk right into the, into oh, the mic, sorry. would be awesome. Yes, there, there we go. We're, we're tailing off okay. a little bit there. <laughs> All good. Okay. All good. Well, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit um, and talk a little bit more uh, um, about this 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 dog of Bolt. <laughs> this, this dog of yep. Bolt. Uh, I know we've mentioned him a couple times, um, but really just want to ask you, I mean, what, what set Bolt apart from other... I mean, you can, you've probably had your hands on and owned several hundreds of dogs, maybe thousands. Um, what, what made Bolt special or what makes him special? I know, I know he's still, well, still with Bolt you. when he was, we bought Bolt when he was, you know, a little bit older, I mean, a year and a half, maybe something like that going on to get quite when, but in that, in that era. Okay. And he was on a plantation in South Carolina. Okay. And he was just another dog. And then when he was about 14 months of age, one of the guys down there went to the, the plantation manager, they run hunts and said, you know, we've got a dog on this plantation that isn't a plantation dog. You know, he's this field trial dog. Sure. So the guy knew a professional handler by the name of Steve Hurdle, very competent, just won the, this year's national, okay, very competent pro. Okay, and he took Bolt, and he did some early work with it. And then uh, Bolt went to uh, a fellow by the name of Sean Kinkler, Okay, he's one high point handler newer times, okay. you know, world class trainer. And and Sean and I are friends and my camp is nine miles from Sean's camp. And Sean had just got the dog in, okay, and I looked at it for I don't know, two days or something like that and said, you know, I'll buy this dog. 
And at that point, I had no idea that Bolt would end up being what he's doing. Really? I just knew that I could sell this dog later okay. for more money than I was paying for him if he just went to a discerning hunter. Mm, okay. Okay. So, you know, I was, I'm, you know, I wasn't looking for a dog who, if he's a two-time champion, that's not, I mean, that's, I'm not knocking that. It just wasn't my interest. Sure. Okay. And then Bolt just started developing. So his first year, if I remember right, he didn't place his first year, but he kept getting a little better. Hmm. Kept getting a little better. Kept getting a little better. And as he kept getting a little better, he became really better. Okay. okay. Uh, if I look back, he's a tremendous athlete. Hmm. Tremendous. There's no, he doesn't have a bottom. He's just got tremendous endurance. And he was a genetic bird finder. Hmm. Now, he was in the right environment to foster those, that bird finding and bird manners. But he ran a lot of trials that, you know, he might have had six finds and no other dog had more than one. Oh, well. Okay. So he, he was an exceptional bird finder and he had an exceptional savvy of reaching birdie areas. Okay. So sometimes finding lots of birds, wild birds, becomes luck. Where were you? Well, some dogs create that luck. Mm. Okay. So he was an athlete, um, is an athlete, uh, tremendous heart, tremendous drive, very likable dog, mm. very personable dog. Um, and what he's thrown his puppies is on the circuit, puppies that are just winning. And, and consistent. Okay. And he, so he's thrown a lot consistent. Winning. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he comes out, you know, I said his father's in the Hall of Fame. We're for a wild again. Um, you know, Brad Sadler, who bred him, picked a good bitch to breed to. We're for a wild again. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. Sure. Most of these dogs at the top level, whether they be all-age dogs or they be shooting dogs, and the only difference is the all-age dog's going to run a little bigger than the shooting dog. Shooting dog is still going to be a dog, you know, 300 to 800 yards. Sure. Okay. Um the uh it's it's genetics hmm. okay now they're in the hands of good trainers and yeah <clears throat> most of these dogs that are winning are going to the prairie somewhere during the summer okay and they're not spending the winter in new jersey sure you know they're near here so um you know from alabama okay through georgia parts of south carolina bird country hmm. bird dog country Okay, so that's whether they were puppies getting developed. Yeah. And here in Thomasville, we've got, you know, a lot of contiguous plantations, sure. right? So, I mean, it's it's wild quail. Yeah. Okay, and these plantations, they're not, they're not there for crops. Hmm. They're there for quail. Wow. So the owners that own them are, you know, these are, you know, plantations with a plantation manager. So dogs have become a... Um, an icon in the community. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's what it is. And that's why you've got so many dogs that have won the nationals or, you know, dog of the year yeah. that have come out within say a hundred miles of here during the winter. Wow. Okay. And you know, the prairies during the summer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, uh, so I, you know, somebody, you know, is trying to compete at those trials, the bigger money game trials, maybe, and they live somewhere else. You know, it's almost like they got to have a handler that's going to be, mm in one of the other areas, because you're not going to get it done in Philadelphia. Sure, sure. It's just, yeah, it's just, there's some constraints and there's some logistical yeah, hurdles right. that they have to, yeah. to come over yeah. then. Um, but if I had to say the biggest thing is what he throws and just his intelligence of, of doing it, okay? And he's an athlete. Now, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, and buts. 
Hey, say that one more time. He throws. He he throws really good puppies. Okay, okay? Um, but he's an athlete. Yeah, I mean he's he's an athlete that uh, responds. And, and you didn't. And you kind of mentioned you didn't really. I mean, you didn't know he was going to do what he did when he when you picked him up, right? At a, a year, two years old. Nobody did. <laughs> Nobody did. Nobody could. I mean, how, how could you say, oh, this is going to be the winningest dog in the history of the game, four times dog of the year, three times U.S. imitation. He just got better and better and better each each year. He's just, he was in a you know, league by himself. There's a lot of great dogs out sure. there, and I, and I mean that. Um, you know, now he just, you know, he had a super career, and, you know, he just, he's a special dog. Yeah. You know, so. well, Here's it's, it's kind of kind of along the same lines of what we're talking about here. How do you know? Again, I'm I'm asking you because you've had X amount of years of of experience and and dogs that you've seen. When do you know a dog has the it factor? Like when do you know, or what are you even looking um, for? Well, what first thing I'm looking for is no apprehension. Okay. I don't want apprehensive dogs. Okay. Apprehensive dogs look for something to go wrong and they find it. Ah. Uh. Okay. I want the dog to say, I don't know what we're doing today, but I bet it's going to be fun. Hmm. Okay. So apprehension, I'm not telling you, you can't train an apprehensive dog. You can't have a really great gun. I'm not saying that. Just for me, if you're looking at the interview, here's going to be spring practice. Okay. Who are we going to go into spring practice with? And some of these guys got to be the starting quarterback. Hmm. Okay. Apprehension is, is not high on my list of favorites. Sure. Okay. Um, confirmation. Okay. okay. Run style. Okay. Um, and I like a dog with a high cracking tail when he's running. Mm. So the tail is up really cracking. Okay. Um, I don't want a low tail like that. Okay. That's not going to bother some people. Some breeds are yeah. going to have lower tails than others. And okay. Um, is that, so is style. That come, is that the, the whole tail thing real quick? Does that come down to a, a style, uh, when, when they're being judged in a trial? I mean, the judge is looking at uh, you. You could you you couldn't win. You couldn't win the money game with a dog okay. runs like okay. that. Okay. Um, you know now, <clears throat> Nastra is not knocking Nastra, but it's not judged on style the same sure. degree. Okay. Um, so and it doesn't mean a dog finds less birds. Okay. Um, but in all age or open shooting dog arena, you're gonna have to stop. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Grousewoods, the grouse champions are stylish dogs. Sure. I mean, you know, great tails. So you don't want a flat running tail. You'd like a dog with an up high cracking tail. Sure. And you'd like dog who looks magnificent when he's pointing. Mm. You know, you should take your breath away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, you should know it when you see it. You should know it when you see it. Yeah. You know, man, she's good looking. Yeah. You know, that's right. Uh, what do you mean by that? I don't know. She's good looking. Okay. Can't explain the, it. But... Uh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, that, I come back to genetics mm. is where I'm going to start. That didn't mean every dog on genetics is going to be the best dog you've ever seen. Sure. But, you know, it's a pretty good start. Mm. Okay. Um, there's, you know, the judging in, the, in this game, you know, which is a money game. If a dog had non-entity parents and it went out and it won the trial, it won the trial and mm. nobody knew. Mm. Okay. It won the trial. They're just not winning those trials. Yeah. All right. So Kentucky Derby, the horses that are winning just didn't come off the farm. Right. The back <laughs> just, you didn't okay. just find this horse so, and, and they, they won. It's, yeah. And, and the thing that's interesting is the, um, you know, there might be some dogs that sell for a lot of money that are a year, year and a half of age that have gone through a program. 
But to buy a puppy, okay, you know, you're not spending a lot of money for a puppy. Yeah. I mean, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars for top end dogs. Yeah. Okay, you know the, uh, you know, it, it's an investment that comes back forever. The dog's going to be easier to train. Okay, you know, <clears throat> we're talking about you know the field trial dog, gun dog, which you had said before. I look at the field trial dog as the gun dog on public display. Hmm. Okay, that's the only difference I see. The only qualification I'd make to that is we're not going to run the field trial competitor for a long period of time so he learns to pace himself. Hmm. The guy's going to hunt all day in wherever, Montana, this dog's going to have to pace himself because he couldn't run flat out for seven hours the way he can run for three hours. But you take the U.S. National Open, which just ended now, you know, the that's a three-hour brace. Three-hour brace? Three-hour brace. Holy. That dog has to be running. The invitational is an hour and a half for three straight days. Wow. So that dog has to be running just as strong at the end of that wow. as when he gets shot out of the cannon. Three hours. So, sure, he has to be conditioned. Yeah. There's a conditioning program, which is a big part of the training program. But he, or that dog, is genetically a superior athlete. Yeah. Well, how does that help the hunter? Because he's going to be able to hunt longer because he has to have fewer, fewer dogs to be able to get his hunt. Yeah. He's going to have less injuries. Yeah. Okay. You know, so there's all I kinds mean, of advantages. So a few years ago, a guy was, I was at a, at a club, didn't know the couple of people sitting at the bar and with a client. And this guy was talking about, he said, I want to buy a dog and I've never had one. What kind of dog should I buy? I heard pointers are pretty good. Now, he's not asking me. He didn't, you know, we've never met. And, sure. Okay? And the guy sitting next to him says, oh, you don't want one of those English pointers, those hard-headed son of a gun. <laughs> so I, I said to him, have you ever had one? And he goes, no, I'd never had one. And I said, well, I just wonder how much he, why, how could he know so yeah. much about them? Okay. So they get this rap. You know, one of the reasons maybe his dogs went to the prairies and the whole thing was to get them to run. Yeah. Okay, and maybe the dog didn't run big enough to win money, hmm. but he didn't have the bird manners at that point. Hmm. You know, wasn't in the wasn't in the process. So the dog got sold to a guy for a cheaper price that bought this quote hunting dog. Sure. Okay, that's been in the prairies all summer running off horseback. Okay, that's not finished. Turns him loose, and the dog runs bigger than the than his taste would be, and he blames it on all pointers. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all it's, pointers it's, that way. It's, Sure. Well, I tell you, there's a whole bunch of setters that come out of there that fit the fit that bill too. Sure. Yeah. So it's called training. Yeah. You know, get a get a cohesive program. Uh, I mean, genetics uh, are kind of of, to summarize what you're what you're already saying is genetics are super important, right? But it's also it's a it's a it's a part of the whole package, right? It's it's the training. Sure. It's everything. Sure. The the genetics sure is going to give you you know the run this and that, but genetics part of that genetics is is the dog level headed. Hmm. Okay. Does a dog take to training? Okay. Is he people oriented? Yeah. Is he aggressive? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all the things that, you know, if somebody has an aggressive dog, it's pretty hard for him to go to the hunt club on a Saturday. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, um, it's the whole, it's the whole um, pack. It's so, not, you know, not one, one tree. I, I was going to ask you, there's a listener question that wrote in, um, and I think this will be kind of hard for you to answer even, but they said, what is, what's your one favorite trait that a dog has? When making a bird dog, drive, trainability, et cetera. Intelligence. Intelligence. Okay. If you had, if you had to nail it down. Intelligence. Okay. Bird savvy intelligence. Mm. Yep. 
Okay. That's what I've looked for. Because, in, you know, particularly in the hunting dog arena, the dog doesn't have to be the most athletic dog that's ever run in the face of the earth. Mm. But he has to be trained to find birds and hunt in control. Yeah. If he hunts out of control, it's it's not a fun Saturday no, afternoon. No, it's control, right? He'll be frustrated. You know, right? Yeah, if he's just taking birds out, okay, that's, you know, that's no good. So I think that guy that's intelligent, he trains easier. Yeah. Um you know, needs fewer reps, but there's no harm with more reps than less reps. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, uh, and that's, that's what I look for, yep. you know, drive into days, dogs, you know, out of the better breedings and a multitude of better breedings. I'm not talking just a bolt or irresistible or blindsider. There's dogs there, you know, great dogs, you know, there's all kinds of dogs. Okay, that are really, really solid, good, good bird dogs. Okay, maybe one of them runs with a tail like this and the other one ran with a tail like that. Is that pertinent to the owner or not? They got to decide mm. that. But there's all kinds of good dogs, but the betting odds are those dogs coming off the circuit are going to be easier to train, mm. are going to find more birds than the dog out of the backyard breeding. Yeah. Giving yourself, I've heard someone describe it as, it's like an odds game. It's, it's help giving you better odds. Sure. Of, like you said, easier training sure. dog. Um, it's going to, yeah, it's going to set you up for more success for the average you know, trainer like us who are. Sure. You know. There's a reason that, remember, against the top of the top competitors, that means handler trainers and other dogs, yeah. that the dog has proven on a number of different grounds under a number of different judges that this dog can win. Yeah. Well, he's proven that he can be trained to a very high level of dependability. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, George, I'm going to ask you um, two more listener questions here, and then uh, we're going to get ready to kind of uh, kind of wrap this thing up. I got a couple closing closing questions for you, um, and then we'll bring this thing home. But uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. You good for uh, another 15, 20 minutes? Man, I, I'm having a blast. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. Um, so another listener question here, kind of while we're on this topic. Um, so I put a, a poll out on Instagram the other day. People asking, "Hey, what, you know, what would you ask George?" And the overwhelming, this is crazy to me, overwhelming response was, what does George look for when picking out a puppy? That's what the people want to know, George. Okay, well, remember I told you that story about that litter of seven puppies and kept one that was 1988, you know, dog of the year. I look for what is the pedigree in the parents, honest to gosh. Sure. Okay, so, you know, if we're looking at a litter of pups here, you know, and say they're six, eight weeks of age, I don't want to see apprehension sure okay um i want to see a happy dog dog that's running around uh i don't make i put so much stock into the pedigree okay Ver a lot versus of the questions you know, at the eight sure, week mark you know making your yeah how does he do with putting a pigeon on a wing i mean a wing on a stick or something i don't know because i don't do it okay the, uh, by the way, on that, that pigeon on the wing. So he said, oh, look at this. He's pointing. What I look at is looking at him creep. They throw that uh, wing down and you see the little puppy go and then he points. Yeah, yeah. And they say, look at him point. And I go, no, look at him creep. Okay. So <laughs> different lens, different lens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not doing that stuff. The, uh, pedigree, pedigree, yeah. pedigree, pedigree. Okay. I can't preach. And that pedigree, that didn't mean just winners. You know, probably have an advantage because most of those dogs have been handled by some other pro. Mm -hmm. And there's a pretty honest discussion from pro to pro. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Mm. 
you know, there's no such thing as a perfect dog. They train easy. Was he mean on game? Mm. Was he hard to break? Okay. Um, you know, so that's what I mean by pedigrees. And the more knowledge they can have or the more they can have a mentor. Yeah. Um, if they don't know somebody and they're just, you know, they're looking in whatever media, whatever to buy a dog, I tell you that the more credentials a dog has, the safer it is. Mm. You that's know, good. If you got a mentor that's really proven, you know, remember, everybody's got the world's best dog. <laughs> Okay. I got two of them, George. I got two, two of the best dogs yeah, right, in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, I'd look for that um, and encourage people to share. You can live with a dog for a long time. Yeah. All right. So go to some trials. That's a type of trial that you like for hunting. Mm -hmm. If it's a retriever, go to some of the trials. Yeah. You know, if it's, if you're a grouse and woodcock hunter, go to the grouse and woodcock trials. Mm -hmm. You know, if you hunt a lot in the prairies, go to them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's walking trials. There's all kinds of trials. Yeah. Okay. AKC hunt test stuff. Go look at them and look at more than one. Look at a couple. Yeah. And you'll get a pretty good idea of what it takes and, you know, to get it because it's no more expensive in the long run to buy the best, really. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, last listener question here. Um, Jody writes in, what, uh, what's the number one mistake you see handlers make at the pro level? Now, he, he didn't say, you know, your average, average Joe. He said at the pro level. And what's this person's name? Uh, Jody. I just want to make sure it's not one of the other pros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that inevitably can happen is that you've got a client dog, okay, and they want their dog run. They mm -hmm. want it on the circuit, okay, and it's on the circuit. And sometimes it might hold, hold up one second, George. You're, benefit that you, dog uh, to take a break again. from running. Okay. Just start that sentence over again. On. Okay. The... So the client's dog, which is, you know. Okay. So I'll just kind of re-ask that question. Um, so, so, you know, Jody wrote in, you know, what's the number one mistake that, that you see handlers make at the pro level? I think that's a really good question. And I hope I'm not going to get tarred and feathered <laughs> with an answer. And I don't mean to uh, infer that I'm some guru and more knowledgeable than all these great Hall of Fame handlers out there. I think one of the things that can inevitably happen is handlers are campaigning dogs that belong to a client, obviously. And the client likes to have their dogs run field trials. So let's take puppy stakes or derby stakes. The dog's not a four or five year old competitor. The dog's in its first year or it's a derby dog running derby stakes and they don't have to be finished to the same level as the dog who's going to win the national survey. Sure. And maybe the right call for that dog was to take it out of running field trials because a field trial can give you a guaranteed variable enforcement. Uh -huh. The dog runs out there, takes the birds out, and chases them. There's no consequence. Right? Yeah. The, uh, so now you create this field trial rebel. Field trial wise dog. And I had a dog years ago that was like that. And I said to the, you know, the clients, it's a really great dog. And they said, we'd like to win high point puppy. I said, you know, this is a dog that barn health issues and everything else is capable of placed in the nationals a couple of years down the road. But if we run it in a bunch of puppy stakes, it's going to get away with stuff. Mm. And those getting away with stuff is going to come back to haunt us because it's hard to fix it if it's field trial wise. Sure. A dog knows it's at a workout. It doesn't make a mistake in a workout. 
But when it's a field trial, there's the gallery, there's the judges, I can do whatever I want to do. Oh, interesting. So I think that a lot of times that the pro gets put in the position yeah. of campaigning a dog. Because of what the client uh, really wants, right? Because of what yeah. the client did or in pursuit of the one check. Remember some, you know, he's running, he or she's running with however many dogs and their string on the truck. Sure. They want one to cash a check. Yeah. They want to make one phone call that says, congratulations, <laughs> Harry, Sally, whoever, sure. your dog won. Right. Um, I think that's the biggest, biggest thing. I don't see stuff that they're doing, yep. um, you know, that, that I feel that I have the expertise sure. and the knowledge to say, geez, they're doing this wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so with that, uh, with that scenario, right. with that scenario you just gave to kind of summarize, less is more sometimes, right? Like you don't have to run them, especially when they're young, cause that, that could lead to some bad developments of that dog figuring out the trial. It all depends, though. If you're in pursuit of the dog of the year, the more wow. trials you want and the more trials you run, the more opportunities you have to play. Okay, okay. Okay? And then each trial has points. So the points basically, some trials have bonus points, but separate from that. Basically, it's going to be 10 points times the number of entries. Okay. So let's say a trial had 64 dogs in it. Jeez. And you won it. You know, you had 640 points. Yeah. Okay. You're going to skip a trial. You might skip the trial that has 20 dogs, although you don't see that many in the shooting dog that are that limited entries. Okay. Because there has to be enough pros in the trial in order to qualify for championship points. Gotcha. Okay. So you can't just go say, oh, I'll go run this one trial. If I win it, then I get, you know, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So there, there's trials that are point trials. <clears throat> so, you know, that uh, – Running a dog in too many derby stakes, in my opinion, okay, can come back and haunt you. Sure. Over the years, okay, Debbie's Jill Z dog is the exception. It was derby dog of the year. Okay, it strong performance at this year's national, strong performance at last year's national, national invitational. And it's a six-time champion, and it's won the national endurance. I mean, so it's a real dog. Yeah. And it was a premium dog of the year. There are very few dogs. I don't know of any, but there, I'm sure there's probably some. I just don't know them. Mm -hmm. Okay, that were Derby Dog of the Year that went on to win the All-Age Dog of the Year. Mm. Okay. Um, because they get away with some stuff. Yeah. Okay, and that's that variable enforcement. And when I say that, I mean, that variable enforcement's a bad, it's a bad deal. Sure. You know, the uh, it's hard to get rid of. So with that, if I may, because you can always delete it if you don't like it. <laughs> the, uh, on that same type of thing, I use variable enforcements. I got four Bible rules. Yeah. Okay. These four rules, okay, in my opinion, whether somebody had an agility dog, a fly ball dog, <coughs> a military dog, a bird dog. Sure. These four rules I do not think should be broken. And if they are, I think that uh, training becomes a whole bunch more complicated. Mm -hmm. One of them is variable enforcements. Okay. I don't like that sometimes a dog gets corrected for this and other times he doesn't get corrected sure. and then other times he gets rewarded for that behavior. I think that's bad. Twice, twice. Mm. Saying the command more than once. Here, 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 here. Begging does not work. <laughs> okay. The objective is not the dog eventually does it. Yeah. If a car was coming down the road or there was a rattlesnake there and you were telling the dog to come or stop or something, he's already bit or he's already hit. If he doesn't do it immediately. Hmm. Okay. The other thing is twice, twice means there was no consequences to the first time he gave you the finger. Ah. Uh. 
Well, if there's no consequence to giving you the finger, then it's perfectly okay to give you the finger. Do it again. Do it again. Okay. So, you know, I'm not in favor of that. Yeah. Okay. The other is another. Okay. On that is no free lunch. No free lunch. Okay. We give our, we give our dogs a lot of rewards. Yeah. Those rewards might come in today when I was roading. Sure. The dogs are going up the kennel, jumping up and down. Come on, bring the harness to me. Let me go. Let me go. Because they love it. Yeah. Okay. That's a reward to them. Okay. So that behavior, they get out of the kennel, they get on that and they go pull a four wheeler around. Right. Okay. The, so the, the variable reinforcements of twice, twice is okay. The other thing that's going to tie into this one, I'm just saying here. Okay. Is the dog must know why it's being rewarded or corrected. The dog must know why he's being rewarded or corrected. Sure. If he doesn't know why he's being rewarded, he has no opportunity to repeat the behavior you want him to repeat. Ah, yeah. Okay. If he is not corrected with a meaningful correction for a behavior that you don't want, that he wants, sure. i.e. chasing a bird, whatever, well, he's not going to degrade that behavior. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I, I think that the dog needs to you know, know why. Yeah. I think that's very important because he is going to associate. It's going to make up something. Mm. And if they made up something, Oh, it's the bird field or <laughs> it's the bird or whatever. You got a problem. Sure. Slam the door on, on that, you know, the, and then making an association that you don't want. Absolutely. You know, so if we're not guilty of that variable enforcement, if we don't say it twice, twice free lunch, here's the problem with free lunch. Okay. We're going to ask this dog to do a lot of things the dog flat out does not want to do. Okay. He doesn't want a whole point. He'd rather destroy nests. <laughs> he doesn't want to come to you when he's out there having a great old time running sure. through that field. and Their whole life is going to be things up. that they don't want to do. Whole life is. Okay. And remember the push pull animal. He didn't want to hold his head up if you pushed it up. And he didn't want to hold it down if you pushed it down. Sure. So that complicates it too. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that whole thing, okay, is what we've got as a dog. He's a marvelous animal, but we need to understand what he is. Okay. So when we give him free lunch, he didn't have to earn it. He is not going, the dog is not going to respect you more. Because you give it free lunch. Mm. Okay. The other thing that happens with it is let's to go to this free lunch. Let's take a dog, as an example, lives in the house, comes to the table, and you give it free lunch. Piece of steak, and you give it to him. Free lunch, and you give him a piece of steak. Okay. And while I'm doing this and having fun, Debbie's going to go up and do dogs right now. <laughs> Am I lucky or what? <laughs> okay. Thanks, Debbie. Okay. So, okay. Um, so, anyway, the, uh, um, where was I? Refresh me there. Uh, free lunch, dog comes up to the table, you give him a piece oh, yeah, of steak. Yeah, okay. give so, you get a piece of, piece of, okay, you give the dog a piece of steak. All right. Now you decide you had company and the dog's begging and jumping up on him, mm. so you don't want it. So, you put him in the laundry room. That didn't stop the behavior, yeah. it just isolated the event. So, you could put enough pressure on him that he didn't jump up on the person, right? Mm-hmm. Six months, he won't look good about the table, be a little afraid of, you know, getting in trouble. But for six months, he hadn't begged. Hmm. Now, six months later, you give him a free piece of steak. 
the original behavior will come roaring back with a vengeance. Mm. With a vengeance. So, I mean, it's it's just a bad deal. Sure. So that's, you know, that one there. And another one I'd add before we split off there. <clears throat> now, somebody asked something about, you know, what liquid or something I give them afterwards. There's a company by the name of... Hey, Dogs. George, real quick, into the mic. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. There's somebody had asked something about what drink we give them afterwards or whatever. The, there's a company called Elements Nutrition, and they make a product called R. Stands for recovery. Okay. Okay. It's an excellent product, okay? A dog is set up, if he burns his glycogen, okay, it takes him four to five days to replenish it. Hmm. If you're using a glycogen supplement, and ours is the one we've used for years, yeah, his glycogen is topped off within four hours. Oh, wow. It's not like a vitamin, it's not like a vitamin pill you have to wonder whether it works. Yeah. The guy's name is, is Todd Schubel. You know, yeah. you could call him well and maybe do an interview. Yeah. Uh, that recovery thing is is big. Okay. Repeat the company again, the George. That cut out. What was the company called? Ele- Elements, Elements Elements Nutrition. Okay. And the guy's name is uh, Todd Schubel, and you know I'll send you a okay. I'll send you a link cool. or whatever, um, and you could call him. But I say that for benefit to your reader, not because I'm sponsored or getting paid or sure, anything sure. else, right? We use it and we give it to everybody at the clinics. Mm. Okay, because if a dog's glycogen is there, sure. his little brain is working better. Okay, they also make a product called H which stands for hydration, which will reduce the dog's body temperature by a couple of degrees. Oh, wow. For those of your listeners who hunt in hot weather. Yeah, okay, that's, that's huge. Big deal. Big deal. Very okay. cool. So that's the only thing Very we cool. do. Other than that, we feed Perina Pro Plan Sport. That's what we feed. Yeah. We, that's it. Yeah. Okay, fed it for years. We don't add other stuff to it. Sure, and, just straight and, up. That's not even a promo for Perina. Just sure. That's what we feed. That's what you use. That's awesome. Well, George, um, all right, we're going to bring this thing home a little bit. Um, I have a couple a couple closing questions. Uh, these are kind of standard ones I'd like to ask each guest. Um, kind, of, kind of the big standing question, uh, just I would love to kind of end on, is um, you know, what's what's a piece of advice you would give, um, you know, I, I say the rookie uplander out there, someone who um, is new to upland hunting, bird dogs maybe. Um, what's, what's a piece of advice that you might want to share with them? Go to a <clears throat> sound like a used car salesman here. Go to a clinic without a dog. Oh, without a dog. That's good. Come come as an auditor. Mm. Okay, like we're doing one up in Illinois, and it sounds like I'm, you know, selling used cars here. Go to one without your dog mm. before you made problems that you got to fix. Uh, okay, you know that would be big piece of advice. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a good one. The, that's really uh, good. You know, uh, DVDs. Okay. But there's nothing like hands-on. Sure. And when you come to a clinic as an auditor, you're going to get to see a bunch of other dogs. You're going to get to see people's problems. You're going to get to see why they happened. Sure. So you don't make those mistakes. Because once it's learned, it's learned. So it's hard to unlearn learned behavior. <laughs> yeah. So do, it, do it right from the get-go. Yeah. And, and, and not bringing your own dog piece, is that that's kind of because then you're folk if you have your own dog there you're kind of worried and focused and, and just yep. you're lasered in on that because it's your dog that's right without your that's dog right. it lets you kind of see the bigger picture a little bit right that's right yeah. see all the dogs you're going to you're going to get the same program you're still going to see yeah. variable reinforcements but you're going to see how stuff was applied before you did it with your dog incorrectly yeah <laughs> love it you know collar condition for example <clears throat> Love it. Okay. Um, and then the rapid fire questions here. Um, these are set, set of a few questions. I'm just going to kind of um, ask your take on you. You give me your off the cuff answer and uh, we'll bring this thing home. All right. Yes, sir. Here we go. Uh, George, for you, what came first, the dog, the gun or the bird? 
Dog. Dog. Okay. Okay. Uh, what gun are you carrying into the field and why? I use a Pro 209 starter pistol. <laughs> I, haven't sh- I haven't shot a bird in a few years. Really? Now, other than for training. I have a Connecticut Arms to trigger gun, but okay. I'm running. Do- I'm running dogs. Yeah. So if my dog's getting a bird. You're out there for okay, the dog. If I'm guiding, if I'm guiding the clients doing it. Yeah. The other's training. So if I'm shooting a bird, it's for a training <laughs> reason. Okay. I'm not against it. Don't misunderstand sure. me. If I go to the pearly gates but and your, Saint your Peter Coos, is... it's going to be an ugly interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I part of me kind of thought you might say the starter pistol. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, he might. He may just say say the start, starter pistol. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. This might be a tough one for you. Uh, favorite dog breed besides the ones you've ever owned. So you, it's your favorite breed, but you cannot have ever owned it. German short hair. Say that again. German short hair. German short hair. German short. Okay. You've never owned a short hair. Okay. Nope. I've trained some, you know, okay. Nope. Okay. That'd probably be the dog. All right, love it. Um, let's see. This is a little more, a little more thoughtful question here. Um, what, what? Oh, again, you've been at this a long time, George. Um, you've seen a lot of dogs. Been doing this a long time. What's, what's still that motivator? What that gets you excited to get out of bed and go train dogs? I truly, one hundred percent, mean this. Every time I see a dog stand there on point, looking like a million bucks, I don't say that's my dog. That's Debbie's dog, or it's Harry dog, or Sally's dog. I go, wow! Would you just look at that? Hmm. So I guess it's <clears throat> a little bit like, <clears throat> excuse me, you hear, oh, beautiful woman. Don't mean to be. There's walking down the street. I mean, why would you? I don't know. Dogs, I like dogs. They, uh, I like the time I spend with them, but they amaze me in their abilities hmm. and and what they've done. I mean, they're just to me, they're just incredible animals. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thanks for sharing and that. My horses don't. And my, and my horses don't lick my face. <laughs> <laughs> and the horses don't lick the face. Um, all right, just a couple more here. Uh, I know you have maybe have, you don't hunt personally yourself. Uh, I know you're training a lot and guiding. But uh, favorite bird to hunt and why? Huns. Huns. Okay. Hungarian partridge. The scenery. Hmm. Okay. The explosive covey. You know, bobwhite quail in the piney woods of southern Georgia is a tough one. Dave Meisner years ago hmm. uh, was on a hunt with me down here and said, you know, there's three ways to hunt bobwhite quail. And he'd been to Mexico and Texas and all over. Sure. And he said, you know, one of them is for horseback in the piney woods of you know, Georgia. Second one's from horseback in the piney woods in Georgia. And the third one's from horseback in piney woods of Georgia. <laughs> so there's just something special oh. about the, the history yeah. and everything that that's here in the piney woods and the and the wire grass yeah. so you know i love that but something about the west and the wide open country mm. and hungarian partridge yeah. i just i think are pretty cool oh. but i haven't found a bad game bird yet either so, <laughs> that's true you know. <laughs> that's, have you have have you ever hunted uh chucker before i have okay sure wow Okay, and the Michael McIntosh, and in my age, so many people now get to say, and he's dead now. But anyway, Michael McIntosh and I did one and did a video up in, in Idaho, and his line was, the first time you hunt chucker, you hunt him for sport. The second time you hunt chucker, you hunt him for revenge. Okay. <laughs> so we ended up taking a helicopter to the top of the mountain to hunt him down so we didn't have to No walk. way. <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Oh, smart man, smart man. 
Um, all right, just two more here. Um, George, what's your go-to snack on a hunting trip? For the dog? For you. Oh, I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> what, what are you packing? You're going on a trip. Let's say you're going to North Dakota. What's what are you packing in the uh, in the truck for? A and, I'm, and I'm out. And I'm out for. And I'm out for all day. Yeah. I ate a big breakfast. Okay, and I probably have some water. Okay, <laughs> and then worry about dinner when we get back. <laughs> so you're just you know? you're just laser focused. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, you're like I don't got time for snacks. Yeah. Well, I don't have time for a nap <laughs> afterwards either. <laughs> You know, oh. I do, I do put, I do put electrolyte in my water. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, th- so this leads into my, my last question and this is for you again. It's not the dogs. Beverage of choice after a hunt. Water's hard to beat. Yeah. Uh, well, there's days that a beer is just pretty special. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know. The, with a good group sitting up by the fireplace, a bourbon sitting around the fireplace in a camp chair is not a bad way to end okay, the evening. Okay, there you go. The sunset. There you go. Okay, you know, <laughs> that's pretty good, too. Uh, bourbon would be my choice over scotch. Okay. Okay. But an occasional margarita doesn't hurt you either. Yeah, I, don't I, mean, I don't think so. <laughs> Last okay. time I checked, a, a yeah. good old margarita and some, you know, some chips and salsa. They all, go better, they all go better with a campfire. Ah, agreed. In good, comp- in good company. Agreed. Um, well, George, last thing before we kind of wrap up here, I, I want to give you a chance. I know um, you've you've been doing clinics for a long time. I know when you and I chatted, you're working on some some online stuff maybe as well. Uh, I just want to give you a chance. You know, if, if people want to connect with you, if people are interested in maybe attending a clinic, um, can you kind of you know, tease what you've been working on? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you or, or find out about these? Great, appreciate that. Okay, yeah, the online course. We're really excited about that. We're pretty far along the, the way on, on getting that now. We just, as you know, how high techy I am. So there's a few more high techy. George, let me, let me tell you, get. you're, you're better than some others. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a copy that we just did a, did a thing with now to get that going, but yeah, we're going to have an online course, um, you know, complete with videos and I think very, very professionally done. Okay. To, you know, do that. So we're excited about that. Okay. That'll, that'll be great. That's great. The, anybody looking at clinics or information, go to my website, www.georgehickox.com. Okay. That will have, you know, clinic dates on there. What's not on there, there's information about doing privates. We do private consultations. Okay. okay. Either in Georgia, North Dakota, or sometimes go to, you know, the client's place. They want to do it that way. And that could be a group of people, did it, club, whatever, or individuals. Okay. That's, uh, that would be there. So private consultations, we take a few dogs, uh, you know, for outside training, um, only with evaluation. Okay. okay. So you don't go, okay, you know, make sure that, that say, what is the owner looking for? Is it realistic that the dog can get to that level? Sure. Okay. But primarily the business is, you know, is, is in the education business. Okay. Helping people have a better dog and have more fun with the mm. dog. That's great. And are, is it true? Are you coming out to Colorado in the in the fall? I am. Yeah, okay. yeah. In okay. September, September, I think it is. That's, okay, that's been, that's that's the, that's the club I belong to, and um, oh, but, it is. But I've okay. been running some NASTRA trials with them, and so I I might try to get oh, out there. Right. Okay. Yeah, oh, good. Not, well, that'll be not great. too far so from my house. Maybe we'll have one. Maybe we'll have one of those beers. By yeah. The <laughs> hey, I'd love that. <laughs> I would. Lo- I'd be honored. <laughs> Be oh, honored. good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we got two that we're doing. Actually, be there for three weeks in in Iowa. Okay. Uh, we do a, a beginners one, and then a week of training consults with a group, and then a advanced school the following week in Pella, Iowa. Okay. 
Is that with the May. Josh and Jeff mm-hmm. from Trinity? Yeah, that's okay. with Josh and Jeff okay. at Trinity. Okay. The uh, And they're doing a good job with that. That's great. The, uh, and then, um, you know, we got the one in Illinois, May, uh, what is it, March, March, April, 5th, 6th, 7th. <laughs> you got a busy schedule. May, May 5th, 6th, 7th. Okay. May 5th, 6th, and 7th. Very cool. Okay. That's it. Well, I really enjoyed it. George, thank you, for your time. thank you. Thank you for just taking the time. I, I know you got dogs to work and life to, <laughs> to, to things to do. So I appreciate you well, taking the time about to do that this. Beer by the fireplace. Hey, you know, just, oh, one other thing though. Yeah. If somebody can inf- info at georgehickox.com. Okay. okay. That's the best way for me to get an email. You can go through the office. Okay. But there's a little lag time between the office and mm-hmm. me. Sure. My office is in Pitch- Pittsburgh. I think I've been there. I think I'm saying this right three times in 10 years. <laughs> the reason you have an office is so you don't have to go. Of course. Of course. You, yeah. Right. You, okay. you designed that. Right. Okay. <laughs> info at, is right. it info at com. All right. I'm pretty sure we lost George a second too early, um, but a huge thanks to George, not only for his knowledge and his wisdom, sharing and unpacking, um, training, development, trials, all that stuff that we've talked about over the last three episodes, but also navigating technology. I know, George, you were a trooper. Um, You know, just we had some recording things and mics and volumes and all that kind of stuff. So thank you, sir, for hanging in there uh, and working with me on this. Um, it's, It's it's kind of been on my bucket list since I've started the podcast to sit down with George. So um, again, just a big thank you to him. Hey guys, um, I hope you enjoyed that little mini series. Let me know if you enjoyed this, what you took away from it. Uh, if you want me to do this kind of style again, kind of a long form, break it up into a couple episodes. Did you like it? Did you hate it? What were your thoughts? would love to hear from you guys. Uh, shoot me a message over at uh, Instagram, the Upland Rookie podcast um, over there. Hey guys, um, hope everyone's having a great spring so far. Um, I know March is in full swing. Turkey season's around the corner. Um, and we've got a lot to, lot to look forward to. Um, again, trial season. Uh, i got a trial here in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for following along. Thanks for um, investing into the podcast. Um, whether you tune in for the guests, whether you tune in for... I don't know, the music, <laughs> whatever it might be. Thanks for, thanks for following along. It's been fun. And uh, until next time, go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care. <laughs>